Good to see you guys again. I don't remember the last time I was back. It was sometime last year, but I know I've, I can see some new faces I haven't seen last year. So what I thought I'll do, I'll just briefly introduce myself. Just very quickly, I put up four pictures. If you look at the next slide, um, there's different parts of who I am. So I'll start with the right top. The right, the first one is. Uh, that I am Christy's boyfriend. Um, a lot of you guys know Christy, but she's a lovely girl. Um, it's my privilege and delight to date her. So one of my titles is that I am a boyfriend. Um, this is actually from Oikos. It's the one picture I have of me speaking because I'm not—I don't speak very regularly yet. Um, but um, I guess with my position now, I look after the young adults at FCC Faith Community Church. So every now and then I do speak as well. So another title I have is, I guess, would be a preacher. Uh, bottom left, um, I, up until last end of last year, I was a high school math teacher. So I was teaching a bunch of year sevens to twelves. Um, so that's just a photo that they took um, on my last day before I left. Um, so just some of my students. And I loved, loved teaching. I loved the school. I loved the, the students as well. I had a really great time for three years um, and missed them a lot, actually. Um, and my last one is uh, my little brother. So I'm also an older brother. I've got an older sister, younger sister and younger brother, but I don't have a picture of both of them together. Uh, they're both very dear to me, um, but I'm also an older brother. So I think a big part of my life is that they are my siblings and I also want to uh, be a good influence to them, disciple them and all that kind of stuff as well. Um, so that's a little bit about me, but notice that you see the four photos. Even though all four photos um, is me, it represents a, a different side of me. You notice that, yeah? So one is a, a, a boyfriend, a preacher, a teacher and a brother. So if you were to go home later and you meet some other guy who goes, oh, who was there today? And you go, oh, it was Arthur. And who is Arthur? And you go, oh, Arthur is a preacher. You wouldn't be wrong, but you, would be, you wouldn't have encapsulated me as a whole person. Does that kind of make sense? You wouldn't have got a full picture of who I am. Or similarly, some of you guys, if, if you met one of my students and you said, hey, who is this Arthur guy? And you go, oh, Arthur is my teacher um, at school. He's Mr. Lai. That's not wrong as well. But you're forgetting the fact that I'm also a brother and also a boyfriend. So the reason why this is important is that in our Bibles, you see four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? It's written by four different human authors. They all talk about Jesus, but they all show a different perspective of who Jesus is. So what happens if you only focus on one Gospel and you forget the other three is that you're getting a picture of Jesus, but you're missing another, a different perspective of who he really is. And sometimes if you don't read the others, you see a glimpse of who Jesus is, but you don't get the full picture, so I want to share a little bit about that today, especially in light of um, the life of Peter, one of his disciples, and his relationship with Jesus. And you'll see that as you read through the different Gospels, you actually see that relationship shone in a much deeper level in a way that you wouldn't see if you just focus on one passage. Um, so if you're taking notes, uh, the title for today is called Relationship Matters. I'll start with this verse in Matthew 4. Um, this is a really famous one that you would see time and time again, and it's probably been preached to you multiple times if you've been around church for long enough. Um, but it's when Jesus calls for Peter to be his disciple. Okay, so let me just read this out from verse 18. He says this. Where's chapter 4? Matthew 4. Yep. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. At once they left the nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with his father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus also called them, and immediately they left the boats and their father and followed him. So let me just pray. Father God, we love you. 
It's such a privilege that we have your word here with us, and it's such a privilege that we can hear it being preached today. So God, I just pray that you would speak powerfully through me, that people will see you um, and not me, and people will see the love of God um, and not anything about me at all. So God, I just pray that people here would be receptive, that they will be willing, um, and that they're willing for their hearts to be changed by you and your incredible love. So God, we ask for that in faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So... As I said before, this passage gets preached on quite a number of times, this whole idea of just following Jesus, right? Um, usually it goes along the lines of something like this. Usually the preacher goes, there's something about Jesus in this passage that is so extraordinary that you just had to follow him, you know? Or this idea that, hey, what we want to learn from this passage is immediate obedience. God just wants you to obey without question. Now, those things aren't really wrong because God does want us to obey Him, and there is something extremely extraordinary about Jesus, but it's not getting the entire picture because it doesn't make sense, and it can be quite discouraging for some of us if, we, if that's the lesson that you learn from this passage as well, because many of us, for those of us who call ourselves Christians, you would know that we have our fair share of struggle in following Jesus. You know, it's, we have our doubts. We don't just meet Jesus one day and suddenly surrender everything, but it's a, it's surrender has been a step-by-step process for many of us. And for you to just say, hey, you don't need to know anything, you don't need to think, just immediately obey, Ooh, immediately obey can be quite discouraging as well. And this whole tagline about Christianity is a relationship, not a religion, how does that work if what happened here was that Jesus walked up to a stranger have never met him and said, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men, and he just follows. It doesn't make sense when we say that Christianity is a relationship, right? But let me take you through the other Gospels, because what's really interesting is that this is actually not Jesus' first time meeting Peter. There's actually three other occasions that Jesus met Peter, built some relationship with him, and then called him to follow. So let me take you to a few verses. The first one is John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, And that's my, sorry, that is my first point, that relationship is initiated by God. So in John chapter one, you'll find that Andrew, who at the time, his teacher and mentor was this guy called John the Baptist. So John the Baptist talks about Jesus as this new person in town. He is the Messiah. And he goes into super exciting stuff. So John, uh, so Andrew, he brings his brother Simon to go meet Jesus. So Jesus meets them, have a conversation. And it's during that encounter that he tells Simon, I'm going to rename you to Peter. That's actually the first time Jesus meets Peter. And then later on in Luke 4, you find that Peter is, Peter's mom is really sick. They're at their house and Jesus is with them. And Jesus rebukes that fever and Peter's mom is healed straight away. It's after that, that the next incident happens in Luke 5. And this is the same scene as Matthew chapter 4, but there's a little bit of a backstory of what actually happened before the call. So let me paraphrase this a little bit. What happened was that Jesus was at the Sea of Galilee, same as what we found in Matthew chapter 4, and he's preaching to a big group of people, kind of like this. But he's getting so much attention that people are slowly coming and coming, drawing closer and getting more of a crowd that he's slowly making his way back until he realizes no more space because behind him is the sea. So he takes a step back into this boat and he asks that fisherman to row the boat out so that he can preach from the sea. And it is in that time, it is on that boat that it belongs to Simon. And he tells Simon to row the boat out and he starts preaching. So actually, Peter is getting a front row seat listening to Jesus preach and teach. And then 
he says to, has this conversation with Peter. He goes, haven't you caught any fish today? And this is what he replies for the next page. He goes, master. And the fact that he said master already shows that he actually has built some kind of relationship with Jesus already. And he goes, master, we have worked all night long and we haven't caught anything. But if you say so, I will try one more time and let down the nets. And this is the famous Sunday school story that many of us know where he lets down the net on the other side and suddenly there's this huge net of fish that he catches. And once again, it shows Jesus' miraculous authority and power. And then next slide, he says this. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knee and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Because in light of how good and how powerful and how much authority Jesus has, he didn't dare to face him anymore. So he's on his knees saying, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And only after that, Jesus says, Is it there? Uh, Jesus says, um, Oh, I missed it. But only after that, Jesus says, Do not be afraid. Come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. So see how, how much of a difference that makes? Because in light of Matthew chapter 4, it might seem like it's just two strangers meeting each other, and Jesus is saying, hey, follow me, and you just have to immediately obey. But when you read it in light of these passages, you know that over time, Jesus has been building this relationship with Peter, showing him that he's someone you can trust, showing that he's someone that has authority, and more importantly, he's someone that cares about your intimate needs, healing for his mum. And it's only after that that he says, follow me. So God initiated this relationship and Peter, all he had to do was respond. Now, why is this important? It really matters because the reason why this is important is because what it's showing is that the focus of the passage is not on Peter, but it's actually on Jesus. You see, if the focus was on Peter and the lesson was immediate obedience, it just means that it doesn't really matter what ha what's happening in your life. You just have to follow, right? What that means in our life as we live out this faith is that we don't have, we don't have the right to question. We just have to do the right things. Christianity is just about doing the right things to maintain our relationship with God. And when times gets difficult, it just means that we have to suck it up and keep doing the right thing because our call is to immediately obey, Right? If Peter left everything to follow Jesus, then why can't you? If that, the focus was on Peter, that would be the lesson we would have to teach. But the focus is thankfully not Peter, and the focus is on Jesus. So when Peter was the one that was saying, go away from me, God, I'm not worthy of you. I don't deserve you. Jesus was the one that's saying, no, it's okay. You can still come. I know you're messy. I know your life is broken, but you can still come and follow me, and I'll show you what life looks like. How does that, what does that mean for us if we were to live out that implication? It means that obedience is actually just a result and a natural response for Jesus reaching out to us first. So when times gets difficult, we can be reminded of the fact that God has done so much for us, just as God has done so much for Peter. And in light of everything that he's done for us, we can keep pressing on. And, it's not a, and this Christian life would stop becoming about this thing where we have to do all these right things religiously in order to receive God's love. But actually, it becomes about us receiving God's love first and then responding to it in faith and obedience. And if we see the Christian life in this way, it changes how we view God, how we view ourselves, and how we view others. Um, it's been about six years since I have properly went on my knees and surrendered my life to the Lord. And so much has changed since then. But um, time and time again, during the six years, I found that I was still making the Christian life about the things that I can do for God. I found that um, just like 
Peter, because if you see Peter as the focus of the passage, you'll live life as if you're the focus of this faith as well. And I started doing all these things to try and justify myself that I'm a good Christian. And the problem with that is you start feeling that you're this prideful person, that you've earned the right to justify yourself. And pride has this scary way of kind of elevating yourself and lowering your view of God so that you feel like you're pretty close to Him. And that gives you the right to judge others who are not quite there. And I started developing that kind of pride, feeling more superior to others, just because I was getting more involved in church. At least externally, it seemed like I was more kind, more loving, all that kind of stuff. Um, At the beginning of last year, and some of you guys, I just said I was a teacher. um, I was teaching a year seven class. And year seven is one of those difficult age groups to kind of handle. Um, And this is a particular challenging class. And within this particular challenging class, there was a particularly challenging student. Okay, so... um, just to give you an idea, he comes from a broken family. His parents are divorced. They're always abusive towards him. So all he knows is to defend himself and he never listens to authority. Um, any kind of attempt to make him do something he doesn't want to do, he will fight back. Um, he's re- he can be quite rude and all that kind of stuff. So it, it explains the situation, but it doesn't change the fact that he's difficult to handle. Okay, so I'd like to think I'm a relatively kind, loving Christian teacher, um, all that kind of stuff. But there was this one day when he just really got on my nerves and I just, I just snapped. Like not in front of him, but after class ended, I was just so angry. Um, and this, all this pride and superiority just beamed up out of my mind. And I was thinking things like, man, like I'm 27 and this kid's 13. Like who the hell think he, th- think, 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 he thinks he is? And I'm just like, oh my God. Like, just like, oh my, just like, you know, all these words I probably shouldn't say on stage is coming out of my brain and just like just thinking them. And then driving home, I was still so angry. And just like in those scenes in movies where there's bullies and stuff, I pictured myself just like, He's just seven kids, so I'm small, but he's even smaller. And, and I just pictured myself just grabbing him by the collar and just being like, who's boss now? And just like punching him in the face. And, I, and as I was thinking those things, because I'm a terrible person, it actually made me feel a little bit better. Um, and, but as I was driving, all of a sudden, and this doesn't happen very often, but all of a sudden I felt like God prompted something to my mind. And what God told me was, but I love you. And all of a sudden, I knew it was God because everything made sense. Because it would have made sense if God said, hey, I love him, so can you love him too? That would have made sense because God loves all people. But God specifically said, but hey, I love you. And all of a sudden, everything started, to, all the pieces of puzzles came together. And I was reminded of the fact that I'm actually in no position to judge this person because I am just as broken as he is. I'm just as much in need of Jesus as he is. And without Jesus, I am nothing. And I've done nothing to earn this thing called eternal life. Everything was done by Jesus on the cross. So who am I to think that I can just, just you know, curse this little kid and think that I'm better just because I'm a teacher and he's a student, all that kind of stuff, when we're actually on the exact same page? So as I was reminded that it was God who reached out and initiated this relationship with me, it changed the way, it reminded me of how I should view God, which is one of thankfulness and gratefulness, changed the way I viewed myself because I couldn't be prideful anymore. There was nothing about me that I could be prideful towards. And it changed the way I viewed this student because all of a sudden there was this heart that reminded me that God reaches out to me and I should reach out to this student as well. And there is no happy ending to the story. He was still just as difficult the whole year through, but it did change the way I treated him. And that's because God initiates the relationship first with us. And the second point I have, and the second and actually the last point for today, is this idea that relationship also leads to change. 
for those of you who know me, um, you'll know that there's two things I really don't like. Um, three if you include vegetables, but that's not relevant to this story. Um, the first is exercise. So everyone tells me time and time again, no pain, no gain, all that kind of stuff. But I'm more of a no pain, no pain kind of guy. Okay, so that's just who I am.、Um, I think it's a mark of me slowly becoming more middle aged. So when I play indoor soccer with my mates, I operate in this cycle where I'll run for five minutes and I'll rest for ten. <laughs> I run for five and I'll rest for ten. I seem like this really nice guy because I'm just like, oh, no, no, you go first. I'll take a break. I'll, you guys go first kind of thing. I'm just too tired to get up.、Um, the second thing I don't like is sightseeing nature.、Um, I know how people love you know, the peace and quiet in nature and the trees and the seas, and they see the beauty of God's creation, all that kind of stuff. But all I see is how far I have to walk until I get back to my car.、Um, it's, just, it's just tiring.、Um, so, one afternoon on Saturday,、uh, Christy, my girlfriend, messaged me and go, Hey, Arthur, like, a few friends and I want to hang out. Do you want to come? And I very much enjoy Christy's company and I like my friends as well. So, I was like, Great, yeah, let's do it. What are we doing? And she goes, Hiking. <laughs> Hiking. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that combines those two things together.、Um, and every part of me was like wanting to say no, because if it's my choice, it's the last thing on my want to do list. But just because Christy asked and I knew that she would appreciate my company, I went.、Um, and it was actually quite good fun. So I did enjoy not the walking part,、uh, but the hanging out with friends part. That was pretty good.、Um, and if you were to ask me again whether you would go hike again, Arthur,、um, as bizarre as it sounds, it would actually be a yes. Why? Because my relationship with Christy changes the way I live my life. Because I want to live a life that makes her happy, and I want to live a life where it changes the way I live because of our relationship.、Um, and in the same way, our relationship with God over time changes us as well. It has to.、Um, if I take you back to the story of Peter, but we fast forward three years, okay? Fast forward three years, this is actually the last encounter Peter had with Jesus. And you'll see,、um, as I read this passage, you'll find a fairly、um, relatable story because it's very similar to what we just read. Okay, this is three years later. Jesus just died, got crucified on the cross, and he rose again, and he started appearing to a few disciples. And this is his account with Peter. Okay, I'll just read the first seven verses. He goes, Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, the same place in Matthew chapter 4. And he goes, It happened this way Simon Peter, the person we're focusing on today, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, We'll go with you. And they went out to get into the boat, but that night they caught nothing, just like this story just earlier. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. So he called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And he said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. The exact same instruction. When they did, they were unable to hold the net in because of the large number of fish. The same miracle again. And then the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, said to Peter, It is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him because he had to take it off for what he was about to do next. And that was to jump into the water. Notice that despite the same miracle happening in the exact same situation in the same location, the way Peter responded was actually totally different. If I take you back to Luke chapter 5, or, yeah, Peter's response after this miracle of the fish was, Get away from me, God. I am a sinful man. Three years later, 
His response was taking his clothes off so he can jump into the sea. Or another response, another translation says he plunged into the sea to find Jesus. He couldn't wait for the big net of fish with the boat to slowly make its way to shore. He just dove him himself and went towards Jesus. Why the difference? I'll tell you what it's definitely not. It's definitely not because three years later, Peter thought he was more holy. Peter thought he's done more right things, so he's now worthy of being in the presence of Jesus. Why not? Because three days ago, he made this bold statement that he would never betray Jesus. He would never say, he would never be disloyal to him. And then he denied him three times. So if anything, he should be feeling guilt and shame and regret. But he still plunged into the sea. So why the difference? The difference was... In the three years of knowing Jesus, it changed Peter and the way he responds to him. He knew that he's still a sinful man. But what he also knew was that Jesus' incredible, unconditional love would embrace him even though he's living and still in this messy life in need of desperate need of help. Um, I'll just invite Katika up back onto the keys. But you know what's comforting about this passage that I found as I was reading through this? What's comforting was not in Peter's response, because once again, the focus is not on Peter, right? The focus is on Jesus. Um, What's comforting is that Jesus could have responded in many different ways. He could have reprimanded him. Peter, what were you thinking? Why did you deny me three times? He could have given him the silent treatment. He could have just ignored him and just let him feel guilty and regret his actions. He could have given him a lecture as a teacher would, right? Hey, these are all the things you could have done to be loyal to me. But he didn't do that. He actually said just a simple line, and you'll find this if you read chapter 21, a simple line that is so like Jesus in His infinite grace to say, a simple line that shows that He loves and accepts Peter as He is. And that's the line here. Come and have breakfast. He didn't need Peter to fix himself up and say the right apology and all that kind of stuff. He just said, come, have breakfast with me. I want to spend time with you. I want to keep building this relationship with you. I know your life is messy, but come, have breakfast. Knowing full well Peter's failure to uphold his commitment to not deny him, Jesus still embraces him all the same and restores this fractured relationship. Reminds me of this little girl, um, story of this little girl where he was on a, she was on a plane with her mother about to fly to see her dad because her dad works overseas for work reasons and haven't seen him for months. And she's so excited and she's hopping up and down on her seat and she's just trying to kill time on the plane. So she's eating her food and drinking her juice boxes and eating more food and drinking more things. And all these mixture of solids and liquids are just swirling in her stomach in the plane and she's still hopping around. And before you know it, she starts to feel really sick and she just vomits it all out on herself absolute mess and there was no change of clothes so she's got all this vomit in her she smells terrible and all the guests and other people around her just covering their nose and just kind of leaning away from her because she smells bad and she knows it and all of a sudden all the excitement just dies and she's just kind of embarrassed and shy and just kind of just sitting there in, in shame she comes out of the plane the plane lands and she goes through customs as we do in the airport and the gates open and she sees her dad at the end of the aisle And she wanted to run to him, but she didn't because the last thing she wanted to see was her father to block her nose and to just lean himself away from her because she knew she smelled terrible. And she was just kind of looking down, just really sad and just really embarrassed. And she looks up and she sees her father just kneel down and just had her arms wide open, just ready to embrace the daughter. Knowing how messy she was, 
the Father's love will still just come. I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to embrace you one more time. So she gets up really excited, runs to him, and has a happy reunion. That's a picture of Jesus' love for us. Sometimes, sometimes we feel like when we do the wrong things, that we have to fix ourselves up before we go to Him. But Jesus is showing us in this story that, no, don't run away from me. Come, come straight to me. I know life is difficult. I know you're, you're making mistakes, but you can still come because I'm going to accept you just the same. And the reason why I can say that with full confidence is not just because of this story, but because as we look back at the cross, we see that that's the ultimate image of what God has done for us. That knowing that we're sinful people, knowing that we don't deserve this at all, Jesus said, but you know what? It is finished. I have paid the price for you. I have covered your mistakes. So now come, come, come to me, all you who are worried and burdened, I will give you rest. Come, follow me. Come and have breakfast. So can I ask all of you to stand and I'll just invite the rest of the worship team up. The message for today is quite simple. It's this idea that just like Bryce has shared, and I'm so glad he shared his little testimony earlier because we sometimes forget that we can actually come to Jesus in our messy selves. So the call for today, really, it's just for two groups of people to come to the front to receive some prayer as we sing this song of response. The first group of people are for those of you who don't really consider yourselves Christians. And you see the story of Peter, you see how amazing Jesus' love is, but you're not sure whether you can come to Him because you're not sure whether you're the right person, you're not sure whether you're good enough. I'm here to tell you that the same call to Peter is the same call God wants to give to you. Come, follow me and I'll show you what life looks like. If that's you and you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time in your life, and I'll tell you that's the best decision you can make, come to the front and some of your friends or your leaders will come and they'll love to pray by your side. The second group of people, and this one's important, church is not for a place for you guys to just be perfect. It's not. It's the place for you to come completely as you are, totally broken, but trust that God is for you and you have a family here who wants to support you. In your times of greatest need, what you need to do is not to run away, it's not to disappear, it's not to try and fix yourselves until you're ready to come back. It's actually just to come completely broken and say, God, my life right now is such a mess. I have doubts, I've got fears, I've got insecurities, the circumstances around me is totally out of my control, but God, I'm going to choose to plunge into the sea and come to you. If that's you, I just ask you to be as broken as you are, just come to the front and just spend some time with God and say, God, I am here. I am here. And your friends and your family here will support you as well in prayer and I would love to do the same. But the call is for you to come and that's your choice to make. Jesus' hand already is out, but are you going to be willing to embrace Him? So as we sing this song, I just ask, if you relate to one of these two groups, just be bold, take a step of faith and come to the front.